Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Grace Anglican Church of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our goal in every sermon is to proclaim the bold truth of the Word of God, especially the undiluted grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website at graceanglicanonline.com. It was my normal Saturday evening routine before I was scheduled to preach the next morning. And so I went to the church, I prayed, and I practiced my sermon before the rows of empty pews. And I had my voice recorder so I could listen later. It was about now, 9.20, 12 years ago. I turned off the lights, I locked the door, and I began to walk through the dark churchyard on my way to my office, listening to my recorded sermon. Now, if you've ever been down south, you'll know that many of the old Anglican churches have a churchyard or a graveyard that surrounds the church on all sides. And, and that churchyard is filled with tombs and, and little mausoleums where generation after generation are buried. And all of that is surrounded by a six-foot-tall brick wall. I locked the door. I was walking, my eyes adjusting to the darkness. And there in the churchyard, I heard a rustling off to the side. I, I paid it no mind, supposing that it was maybe a cat or a raccoon rambling around. I was very mistaken. And before I could even react, I was struck in the head grabbed, and a gun was put to the back of my head. Don't move or I'll kill you, the voice whispered. I didn't think about moving at the time, frankly. <laughs> didn't think about anything at all. I was just kind of shocked, but my voice was still emanating from the recorder. <laughs> hang up the phone, hang up the phone. <clears throat> Actually, it's just my sermon I plan to give tomorrow. As in, I'm just a preacher, like, leave me alone, please. Shut up, turn it off, give it to me. Turned it off, handed it over. Now give me your car keys and your wallet. As I felt the barrel pressing into the back of my neck, I would have gladly handed them over, but I didn't have them. I don't have them. Don't lie to me. I'm not lying, as he felt my pockets. I'm not lying. I don't have them. Where are they? Well, you see, my wallet's in my car where I always keep it. I didn't tell him that, but my wallet's in my car, and my car keys are in my office. Take me to the office. So silently, we walked through the darkened churchyard, and then across the road toward the offices. And I can remember passing out of the churchyard and having the sensation of the gun to the back of my neck, and yet it was the strangest thing because, you know, you hear about the peace that passes all understanding. I had it. And this strange warmth was over me. And, and I knew somehow that, that God was with me. So we crossed the road. I unlocked the doors to the offices. We walked into the darkened building, through the parish hall, made our way down the darkened hallways to my office. The gun always present at the back of my neck. 
We go into the office and there on the desk are my car, are my car keys. I walk to the desk, I pick them up, not wanting to look at him to incur any more wrath. I, I simply handed it to them, handed him the keys thinking maybe this thing is over. But the night grew darker still. Now get on the ground. At that point, I began to think, do I need to try to dust off some of my old high school wrestling skills? <laughs> but at the same time, there's a gun to the back of my head. So I kneel upon the ground. Now lay down. So I did. And I realized that things have shifted. He proceeds to secure my hands behind my back with a belt. And I'm praying, and my mind's going a million miles an hour, and I think of myself as I'm praying, this is sure a predicament. And then I look over and see, those are some really nice Air Jordan sneakers. It's just really strange. <laughs> he takes an extension cord and then hog ties me. My leg's now tied to my hands. And then I thought he was going to leave. But the night grew darker still. He stood over me, he paused, and he said, give me three reasons why I shouldn't kill you now, because I want to. And I could sense an evil and a malice. And I could tell he wanted to somehow. I could tell he was serious. What do you say? Give me three reasons. Well, I found some words coming to my tongue. I don't know from where they came. I have a wife and three daughters I love very much. Laura Joy wasn't born yet. I'm here doing the Lord's work. And if you do kill me, you're going to have to answer to him. Those were the three things that came to my mind. They don't train you in that in seminary. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure. I heard him cock the hammer. And I thought, well, this is an unexpected way to go. He stood over me for, it was probably 15 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. He leaned down and he said, I'll be back. And your wallet better be in your car. And I believed he would come back. As I heard the footsteps disappear, I thought, it's now or never. With adrenaline coursing through my veins, and I had watched enough spy movies to know that if you ever get tied up, flex your wrists a little bit, and so I had. I managed... <laughs> I managed to free my arms and then my legs. And I got up and I shut and locked the door. I went to my desk and I called 911 and I don't even know what I said, but I said something, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. And I still remember the woman's voice. We're sending the police now. They're close. Just stay where you are. I wasn't going anywhere. I sat in that dark office and I had no idea what was going to happen. Was he going to come back? What do I do if he does? And I remember then peering out of my office down the hallway, 
And as I was waiting there in fear, I saw a beam of light that pierced the darkness. And I was able to exhale. For I knew that beam of light meant rescue had come. And sure enough, in short order, the lights were on. I was surrounded by police officers. But I don't imagine I will ever forget the beam of light that pierced the darkness on that terrifying night. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. My friends, we gather here this evening to celebrate that a great beam of light has pierced the darkness and shines down through the centuries to those of us bound in fear and sin and death. And the beam of light means that rescue has broken in. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, He who was crucified for our sins, He who died upon the cross, He whose lifeless body was placed into the cold tomb, this same Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The heart that was pierced began to beat again. The blood that paid our penalty courses through the veins. Neurons refire. And piercing that great darkness that hovered in that tomb of death in a graveyard outside of a tomb in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, the light of the world came bursting forth, shattering the darkness on the third day. And because of this greatest of acts, all has changed. For He has passed even through death for us. He's gone to the very bottom for you and for me. He's gone to the bottom. I'm rather partial to an illustration that C.S. Lewis gives us in his book, Miracles where he likens Christ to a pearl diver that you might see off the coast of Mexico. The diver standing on the boat there strips down of all that might encumber his mission. He leaps, glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished from the surface, rushing down through the green warm water, down into the black, cold water. Down through the increasing pressure to the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay. Feeling for the prize with his hands as his lungs ache and the pressure pounds upon his eardrums, he finds it and clasps it. And then pushing off of the bottom, back up again, back to color and light. His lungs bursting until suddenly he breaks the surface again. Holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it both now colored in light. 
My friends, you are that pearl. And I am that pearl. We are that pearl. That prize trapped in the darkness of sin and death and fear. And tonight we celebrate that Jesus Christ is that diver who descends to the depths to bring us into his marvelous light. The light that casts out fears and shadows. And it is in this light that I would like to confront us, uh, confront in us two fears as I close this homily. Two fears that plague the human heart. First, because Jesus Christ has gone down to the very depths of even death itself, there is nothing that can separate you from His love. He has reached down to the very bottom of human existence and even past human existence into the human death. He's gone down to the bottom for you. And so now you can say along with the Apostle Paul, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's gone to the very bottom. Second, Because Jesus, the God-man, has gone to the very bottom and has emerged victorious, He has forced open a door that has been locked since the first death of man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. And having defeated death, He emerges as the new pioneer, as the first fruits, as the firstborn, And where there is a pioneer, others will follow. And where there is a firstborn, others will come after. And the great proclamation that is, as He is risen, so we shall be made like Him. Jesus' resurrection emphatically declares, death is not the end of us. Though we die, Yet in Christ shall we rise again as He carries us to the glorious light of the Father. And there in the light of God we shall live in all eter- for all eternity in that place where there is no need of a sun or a moon for the glory of God gives us its light and its lamp is the Lamb of God who was slain and who yet rose again. So on this evening, we proclaim that light has shone in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it. And we proclaim, Alleluia! Christ is risen!